Welcome to Pamela Private Eye. I am here with my co-host Shelly. Hi, Pamela. I just want to say thank you to all the new listeners. We've been gathering a whole bunch of them with these last episodes, and I love it. I'm so happy uh-huh. about it. I'm getting a lot of great feedback. Thank you, thank you, people. Every single one of those makes a big difference to me. And I've never been more scared to talk about anything than this stuff that I'm talking about now as far as backlash on me. So I've been uh-huh. really scared, and all the support has been a really big deal, and I appreciate it. I love the support, and I am happily surprised at how many people are aware of the case, waiting to hear the details and more information. So I think that's yeah. awesome, too. Yes. Oh, and so if you're listening, if you're new, you love it. Mm-hmm. Share like, it. Let people know. Share it. Help us out. Help right. some poor girls out. Um, we yes. have. <laughs> or rate us, review us. What? Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't like us, just quietly go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We would love that. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. So and if you are new to it, let me just introduce really quickly. I have been a private investigator for 30 years. I'm also a musician. And I the podcast is just about my life with all those crazy adventures, crazy cases, and and all of that. Mm-hmm. And this one we're doing, the the Jeremy Johnson stuff is... Without a doubt, the craziest. And the reason that I did the podcast, because I Mm -hmm. thought, holy crap, people need to hear about this. So let me give like some cliff notes of where we are on this case. It's really complex and intense. And if if for those of you that are not from Utah, and we've got listeners all over the country and all over the world. So let me give you kind of a cliff note version so you're up to speed on this crazy case. Explain, this is a businessman that became my client. But where I'm starting is before he was my client. His name is Jeremy Johnson. He was in his 30s and a self-made millionaire many times over by doing internet business. And it was new territory. The government, really, this is like in 2008, 2009, 10. And the government was, the FTC was changing regulations every day. It was kind of the Wild West with the internet. And he's also a very generous guy. So... For whatever reason, he ends up getting involved with two of our attorney generals, the Utah attorney general, which on the federal level, the attorney general is kind of the prosecutor, the enforcer of the law through the country. In the state, the attorney general is the enforcer through the state. So Jeremy had millions, and through that, he ends up helping out the attorney's general in the state of Utah, both Mark Shirtliff and then John Swallow. A lot of it was very innocent. Like I mentioned in the previous podcast, he helped with the Lost Boys, the Polygamous Boys that had been... Some of you may be familiar with Warren Jeffs. He's the leader of the Polygamous sect and is in prison for life for having sex with underage girls. And so some of the young men and women that kind of got lost in that society when that was falling apart, Jeremy Johnson helped them through the attorney general to find housing and stuff for the boys and the girls. And I know that he'd also helped John Swallow at one point had asked him to help with a girl that needed some life-saving surgery and their family didn't have any money and Jeremy sent money for that. So I know that there were some really good things that were happening, but at some point, like I say, the, and, and we'll get into the ins and outs of Jeremy's business when we get 
into his trial. But at this point, all you need to understand is that he had an internet business, the feds, the FTC stepped in, and, and then there was threat of an indictment. And Jeremy turned to the guys that he knew, the attorneys general, mostly John Swallow. And at that point, John Swallow was running for election to be the next attorney general because Mark Shortliff was leaving. And you'll hear part of this, like John Swallow's advice, he had introduced him to a character named Richard Rawl. Richard is the payday lending guy. John Swallow had been legal counsel for this guy, had done some lobbying for him on behalf of the payday lending, which the citizens of Utah did not know. He was pretty careful to make sure people didn't know that he was connected with that. But as part of that connection, they tell Jeremy what you need to do to get out of this legal trouble is you need to, and John Swallow later calls it lobbying, and you'll hear that in this recording, he calls it lobbying. So this is kind of what starts it all, and it's not just Senator Harry Reid that's involved. You'll hear a little bit about some other senators that are involved. And this famous Krispy Kreme recording that I'm playing excerpts from is what sparked the investigation of the Attorney General on the federal level, state level. It was a lot that was happening. I mean, every, like the FBI, the FTC, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the state level, like the Federal Election Commission, there, just about every government entity that could come at someone was coming at Jeremy Johnson. And you... I've got to get your seatbelts on, folks, because this is going to be a crazy wild ride. I've never seen anything like it. We are not going to waste time. We've got a no, lot of ground to cover. And where we left off last time, I'm just going to play a little bit more of the Krispy Kreme recording, and I'll explain how it ties in. This first part that I'm going to play is them talking about Senator Harry Reid and how he is attached to all of this. Okay. I've cleaned up the audio a bit. Because Jeremy was the one that was had the recorder and he knew it was happening and, and John Swallow did not know. It's if obviously Swallow is further away from him in the recording and you can't hear him as well. Okay. And so in that it's a little bit difficult to hear him. So I actually took a lot of the noise out, but and then I tried to enhance his audio. So sometimes when he talks it gets louder. I apologize this isn't a perfect science, but I I think I did clean it up quite a bit. So okay. let me play this and we'll play a little bit and then I'll explain some stuff about it. Okay. What I didn't tell you and I didn't tell Richard is that I heard you read is on the tape. Because I met him at the poker companies. So, I don't know how much of the details you know about this, but I'm going to tell you it's good information Don't miss this phone call. Did you miss it? So, after this meeting, the poker guys had me write out, get a special check from a bank check so it doesn't get traced to their account, and give it to some company that I've never heard of before. And we transferred half a billion dollars of their money. They never asked me to do anything like this except this one time. This is right after our meeting with Reed. So I transferred a million dollars to some weird company, one-time deal, that's it. So guess what happens the next week? Reed introduces a bill to make online poker legal. So to me, everything Richard's saying makes sense. And you can go and verify that he actually did introduce that bill.
Okay, so Jeremy is talking to John Swallow. He wasn't the Attorney General yet. At that time, he was the Deputy Attorney General, and he was just getting ready to run for Attorney General at the time that Jeremy met him to talk about this issue. Yeah, and this is the famous Krispy Kreme recording. And then he's talking about Harry Reid accepting money from whom? Who is Richard? Richard Rall is the Czech City guy, the payday lending guy. Okay, just That's to kind of Richard remind is. us. Okay. Yes, and yes. And he's telling about the money, and then the next thing you know, the check cashing business was just fine. It didn't, okay, perfect. What you'd hear Jeremy say there, and we hadn't heard about it before, Jeremy says to him, hey, I didn't tell you guys this, but I already knew that Senator Reed was on the take because... Of this poker processing. Now, Jeremy had two businesses. One was a company called iWorks, and then his other business, he owned a small percentage of SunFirst Bank. He had actually given millions of dollars to SunFirst Bank because they it was that's a small bank in southern Utah. Okay. And they were about to go under because of basically all the poor loans, the home loans. Remember what this is about when the housing crisis was just starting, and. They, like many other banks, had done some poor lending practices and given loans to people that really had no business having a home. And they were in trouble, and Jeremy stepped in and gave them some money, apparently, which which extended their life a little bit. It didn't save them, but prolonged their agony, I guess. So, And what he says there, as part of the bank stuff, at one point, Jeremy had an opportunity... And I learned this later. So this this recording came out first, and like this came out public. I, this is what the public hears. This is what started all the investigation. And he says how Senator Reed. Okay, now Senator Reed, mind you, he's in Las Vegas. So who would his constituents be? Casinos. Right. The casinos where it's legalized gambling. Right. And Jeremy had started doing business with some online poker processing companies people that play poker online and they earn points or something and then those they trade those points for money it's something like that i'm not positive how it works but that's what i understand okay and just like any other gambling entity it made millions upon millions of dollars okay and so jeremy wanted to continue to process poker but the bank was in utah so there was this question about whether it's legal to process poker in Utah. You can't play, okay. you can't you can't do online gambling, but it's that's a separate deal. You can't do it, but can you process it? Can okay. you run it through the bank? They're two separate things. Okay. And as far as processing it, it's kind of a gray area it appears from what's happening here. Okay. So now he's talking about a different thing when he tells John Swallow. Please keep in mind John Swallow ultimately was acquitted of these charges. He gets charged criminally later. But I'm telling you right now, he professed his innocence at the time. He professed it throughout his trial. And he is to this day saying he is completely innocent and he's been cleared of everything. So legally, he's acquitted and he's cleared. I want to have that out there. That's on the record. Some people know that. Some people don't. Okay. Uh, So is O.J. Simpson acquitted. True. Yeah. I'm d- telling you guys the facts tell, as they come out. As okay. So Jeremy tells him in that what you just heard, he him saying, hey, I knew that, that Harry Reid was on the take because at one point I had to issue for these online gambling guys, for the poker processing guys, they asked me to issue a check for a million dollars to 
a company I'd never heard of, and so I did, and it was a different kind of a check. And we'll hear more about that a little bit later. Okay. And he said at the end, the next thing I know, Harry Reid introduced a bill to the Senate about legalizing online gambling. Wait, after Jeremy put money into some account, a million dollars, yep. for, the on- sudden, for the online all gambling, of a sudden, all of a sudden... There's a thing at the Senate that says, hey, we should legalize this. Yeah. And do you know where that was put in? In no. is part of Obamacare. What? Remember? Yeah. Remember when Obamacare was like the it was so thick. And do you remember? Uh-huh. I think it was I think it was actually Nancy Pelosi that said, just pass it. We will read it later. And that kind of became a big joke. Yeah. That, like, hey, because the, the Republicans were saying, there's not time to read everything in this. It's so big. We don't have time to read right. it all. And the Democrats were saying, just pass it. You guys can read it later. Well, here's what's interesting. After all the trial, I'm fast forwarding a bit. After all of that trial, at one point I decided, hey, I think I'll get my real estate license and maybe try to sidestep out of PI work because it's a lot of stress for not a lot of money for me. I need yeah. to, to do something else. And in one of my continuing ed classes for real estate, they were having people say, how'd you get in real estate? What did you do before? So I mentioned like, I'm a PI. It's my other job. And I just finished the house investigation of John Swallow and the Jeremy Johnson case. And people are like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And then afterwards... This guy comes up to me and he says, hey, I got to tell you, I was a lobbyist when you were doing that. And I got to tell you a story that was all connected to Harry Reid. And he said, I was lobbying. In fact, I was sitting in Harry Reid's office to lobby to him about another thing and waiting to get in to see him. And someone came in and said, hey, ask Senator Reid if he wants this online gambling bill as part of the Obamacare does he really want this in this bill? Now, this is after Harry had won. Harry, it was a neck and neck race. There was a woman who was uh, like, um, like actually ahead of him in the polls a little bit. And then this money got put in Harry's account. I don't know that it's connected or what. You can reach your own conclusions, people. Right, right. But suddenly after he got this money from poker processing... He takes their money and says, yeah, I'm going to submit this bill. And he did. It was part of Obamacare. So here I am talking to this lobbyist who really, Randomly. I, yeah. I was done. It's so random. And he says, this person sticks their head in. They're like, hey, they're just ready to run this bill through. But Senator Reid has this online gambling as part of this. Does he want that in the Obamacare? Do we leave it in? And then the word comes back and they say, no, take it out. Wait a minute. So he took the money to help himself. In my opinion, he took the money to help bolster his election. He won the election. The Obamacare bill was actually getting voted in after the election results were all in and people were in place. It was like days later or a week later. And then they were voting on Obamacare. And then he suddenly just says, oh, just pull it out. Even though... I believe he'd gotten millions, and I actually yes. have a copy. I will share with people a, a. I have a copy of a $2 million check that went that direction. Was that Could disclosed it? in his stuff? No, it was not disclosed. Wow. And I'll have another witness come in and speak to that. It was so fascinating to me, because here, he, in my opinion, he kind of sold himself out, because right. 
his constituents are like are the casinos. They're not going to be happy about him passing a bill for online gambling. Right. And so right. he takes the money, he wins the election, and then he says, now just pull erase, it out. Erase, erase. Never mind. Yep. Erase, erase. Wow. So the numbers just don't add up to me. And math is not my forte, but it still doesn't make sense. Maybe you guys can make more sense of it than I did. When you pull up Harry Reid for 2010, he was the largest recipient of money from lobbyists, which makes complete sense after hearing all this, right? Right. Except that... It shows that the amount he received was $950,088. What? $950,000? That doesn't make sense because, remember, Richard Rall said he lobbied to Harry Reid and they paid him $5 million plus $20,000 a month. Well, maybe Richard Rall was lying about that and Harry Reid just decided to stop that limit on payday lending interest that was paid just because... Richard was so influential with him. I don't know. But it did show that his biggest contributors were, just like we thought, his constituents, which two of the largest were MGM, which is consistent. We thought the casinos were his constituents, and Caesars Entertainment. And MGM donated $131,290, and Caesars donated $83,100. So... It just doesn't make sense. And you could say, well, maybe Richard Rall was lying and maybe Jeremy's lying. We could say that, but I do have a copy of a $2 million check that went to him. I'll have someone come and explain it later. And the chain of custody and why we believe that money went to Harry Reid. You won't believe how this works. This is a crazy case. This stuff is getting so good. So in this one, what you're going to hear is... Jeremy starts talking to him about an email that John Swallow, he says, that Jeremy says, you sent me this email with a poker opinion. Now, remember, he's processing online poker playing. So in Utah, you can't gamble legally. Right. But you can't. It's a question, like I said, there's a question whether you can legally process it or not. So at some point, Jeremy had shared a legal opinion that he paid a lot of money for. I think it was like $100,000 for this legal opinion okay. from a company, a big-time law firm in New York. And the name of the law firm is Aiken Gump. Now, all of you listening, remember that name, Aiken Gump. It's a big law firm, and it becomes a big player later on, but in okay. ways that no one, no one in the state of Utah knows. Okay. I want to yeah. clarify one thing. For people who aren't in Utah... What we're looking at here is in Utah, again, a very conservative state, there's yeah. no gambling at all. We don't have a lottery. We don't have anything. Right. But he's not gambling. He's processing right. the money of the people who are gambling, correct? Correct. Yeah, and online. And that's where, online, and that's where he's saying, but on the Utah law books, there's nothing that says this is illegal because I'm not gambling, correct? Right, correct. Okay. And he okay. paid a lot of money to get a legal opinion from Aiken Gump, a big law firm in New York, to say, and that legal opinion, after they did their research, their opinion was, yeah, you, can't, you could process poker, poker winnings. You can't play it in Utah according to their laws, but in, according to the banking laws, there's nothing that says bankers can't process it. Okay. And so Jeremy wanted, the, they really wanted, like an, just to be extra 
safe. They, they really, to be extra careful, they wanted to get permission from the attorney generals. From And at that point, John Swallow was the deputy attorney general and Mark Shirtliff was the attorney general. Okay. And both of them worked together and Jeremy had dealings with both of them. And so he was trying to get an opinion from them in writing to say, yes, it's okay to process poker. Okay. You, you can't play it, but you can process the, the money here. Hold okay. on. Okay. Well, I'm going to get a $20 phone. I, I researched everywhere. You can't trace these things because they're not in anyone's name. They're just a pay with a credit card or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I didn't want to. I, I, I have no idea if there really isn't even, even an investigation on you. I'm pretty sure, but... I haven't, I haven't confirmed it. Well, I had, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I had contact with me. I mean, RMR. Yeah, RMR is right. That's right. Yeah, it, it is, it is, it is. And they're mentioning stuff about an email off the poker email. I know exactly what email they're talking about. And, and here's that email. Okay, I will give you that email. I'm telling you, you're not wrong in the email. You're honestly not. I'll use the data that it was sometime after I talked to you and I gave you those legal opinions. I think all you did is you looked at the legal opinion and then you looked at Utah State law. And guess what? There just doesn't. There is no law on processing poker. Right. It's plain. No, you did not say that. It was strictly the processing of the transactions, which is legal. And you talk because just no law to address it. You know. Uh, if there was 50 banks here processing online gambling, maybe they would make a law and address that. But I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they can make any issue out of that unless I paid you to say that, which I didn't, and there's absolutely no evidence of it. So I, I think, part of me. Nobody does, right? There's no paper trail on the houseboat. Nobody knows about it. No new, no emails or nothing. And no, and my wife doesn't even know you're on it. I think this is what I think they're after. I think they saw an email about hey, it's okay to process poker. They see wires go into this thing. They see Reed introducing a pro poker bill. You know what I'm saying? And they're and they're thinking, okay, John Swallow. What's that? Oh, you've done work for Richard. Did he pay you out of our consulting? I go check that. That will be. If that's the case, I'd rather just. I think you need to check that. I need to know that because I work on a cement plant. I don't know who RMR is. You know, I just know I'd ask Richard. Talk to Richard Sage. What is RMR? Did you ever pay me comments? Yeah. Will you please talk to these people and get me? I'm telling you, that's going to be a death nail. Because that's what that's who we paid. And it just looks like, I know it's not that way, but that's exactly what it's going to look like, and that's just exactly how it's going to... I know, like in March of 11, 
eight. This was eight. Oh yeah, did you catch that? John Swallow asks Jeremy, "Hey, do they know about the houseboat?" Jeremy hadn't mentioned the houseboat. Wow. And John Swallow not only asks that, but then he says, "Well, is there a paper trail on it? Does anyone know?" And Jeremy says, "No, you never talked about it in the emails. Nobody knows about it, not even my wife knows that you used the houseboat." No one knew until John asked in this meeting. Wow. And then it was secretly published. Now, you got to remember there are limits on what you can gift to someone. Okay. And so for the attorney general or the deputy attorney general at that time to use a houseboat and you have to know this is no ordinary houseboat. And I'll I'll post a picture of the houseboat actually. But it was so big. There are only two houseboats this big are on Lake Powell. Like any good young millionaire, you got to have some toys like that. It was so big Jeremy could land his helicopter on the back of it. Wow. And it had to have like a captain to drive it. It was this is not an ordinary houseboat. And the part that's a little funny to me is he stepped in it himself. He's the one that brought it up. Jeremy didn't mention it. So of course that's going to red flag everyone because I think at that time in Utah you couldn't receive a gift over like $100, which is one of the reasons this sparked a huge investigation. So Jeremy had sent a few emails to him. John Swallow had responded a couple emails. I'll refer to the, to those. At. In fact, I can even refer to that now. Let me because then in the House investigation that comes up. In fact, let's just get into that right now. Okay. Because of that recording and all, all that stuff coming out. Okay. That sparked investigations on the federal level, on the state level. Okay. The Justice Department was. Very, very busy. So the feds were investigating this stuff. The Utah legislators, the House, there was a special committee that was formed. And see, by the time that this really came out, because the recording happened in yeah. like 2012 when John Swallow was running for attorney general, and then it was released to the media, I and many others, most people thought that Jeremy Johnson himself leaked it to the media. Okay. He said, when I got to know him later as a client, I was like, why would you release that then? And he said, I didn't. I didn't want it released. He, di he's, he did not. And Jeremy okay. would be participating now if he could, but because of legal stuff, he cannot help okay. us. So it was leaked in right after John Swallow was elected. Now we have the sitting attorney general that all these things are coming out about Harry Reid and poker processing and like what gotcha. in the world and payday lending and, and all this pay, these payoffs going to a U.S. senator and he was part of this. Like what? What is going gotcha. on? So the Utah legislators start got together and decided what are we going to do? Should we impeach this guy? We need to investigate it. So they started... A special committee, because anytime you do anything in politics, you have special committees for this or that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so this special committee was to investigate whether John Swallow, as the new attorney general, should he be impeached or not. And I mean, he was literally only in for, like, days or weeks at this point when they decided they needed to put a committee together. As politics, as life goes, it takes a while to get it together. So in July... Of 2013, they make this formal announcement that they are looking for investigators to investigate our attorney general. Well, da 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 da, here I am, that's my field. Oh, like, okay. Hey, 
this has got my name all over it. I want to do right, that. Right. I want to submit okay. it. But I was thinking, man, this is like a really white collar, heady kind of a thing, like money intensive and, and yeah. you gotta, you're going to have to be able to follow the money trail. So I decided uh-huh. I need someone smarter than I am to be on my team. And so I went and got Rich Casper, who is, he was an accountant for years, and then he went to MBA school, and then after he did that, then he went to law school, and he was a senior partner at a big firm. So I was like, this is the guy. This is perfect. So with him on my team, we submitted an application to be part of the investigators. Or actually, I I thought we would be the investigators investigating the attorney general. There were a number of PI firms, not just from Utah, from all over the country oh, that I'll submitted. Bet. I'll bet. That wanted to be part of this. So we put our pitch together. We made it through like the written stuff. And then they asked us to, have to come in for an oral interview. We did that. So and it was in front of the whole committee and legal counsel for I mean it was pretty heady stuff. Like my heart was pounding and I was excited. And we just go in there, and they asked me questions, and Rich was with me. And we knocked it out of the park. Okay. Because, hey, this is what I've done. I'd done it at that point for 20-something years. I worked with the biggest defense people in the state. Yeah. I knew everyone around, and I had done political cases. Remember the Nancy Workman case? We already did an episode on that. I knew all these players. I thought we were going to get it. I was hopeful, and then I got a phone call, and we won. We got the job. I was Mm. like, woohoo, this is awesome. Okay, this is amazing. And it was such a big deal, like they did a press release. That we had been selected to investigate John Swallow. Oh, man, I was excited. Uh, Like, beyond excited. Like It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to cut this. It's going to be in my scrapbook. This is... um, Oh, yeah. Like, one of those moments, like, before and after, like, I'm headed... Yep, exactly. And... And I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Right after they told me that I won it, then they also tell me like, oh, and by the way, we also selected a New York PI firm that you will be working with them. You guys will all be working with, well, of course, the, the special investigative committee, all the house committee. Right. And we would be working with the lawyer that's been hired for this. And his name was Stephen Reich. So I was like, okay, that's great. Like, this is awesome. So I was so excited (laughs) and uh, my first meeting with all the team, (laughs) my first meeting was like four hours long. The attorney was making, so their bid was $3 million to investigate this. Okay. My bid was $30,000. Oh, you're like, can I up that now that I know it's three million? I, I think I forgot uh-huh. to put a couple zeros on at least. Yeah. At least one more. At least one more zero. Please, can I yeah. add one? Is it too uh-huh. late to add another zero? Yeah. yeah. Let me go back. <laughs> I'm so. Yeah, exactly. But our my first meeting with them, it was like four hours long, and the lawyer was making I think it was like seven hundred and fifty an hour. The investigators were all making like two hundred and fifty an hour. My, I convinced the Rich, the lawyer I was working with, to work for 125 an hour. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous! And I was making, I think, 75 an hour. Like I was okay. thinking, like I want this gig so bad, I'll cut my rates. I'll like, I'll uh-huh. do this. Uh-huh. And which maybe it was a good idea, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? So 
<laughs> we get into it. The first meeting. So the New York firm actually had PIs on their team from New York, Chicago, San Francisco, San Diego. And then the lawyers from New York announced themselves also. And they were in New York and Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. And then they say, oh, okay, Pamela, you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Pamela from Utah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're from this all over team. the place. Yeah, here's Rich my team, Rich. Yeah. Oh, except they would not allow Rich to participate for the first month. Why? If he was part of your team. I do not know, but he was not allowed. I had to go in and fight for that later, and I fought really hard. So it was the New Yorkers that were running the show that wouldn't allow Rich to participate? I'm going to let you guys reach your own conclusion as to why that would happen, and you'll you'll get it as we learn more. In that first meeting, my first introduction to them, about two hours into our four-hour meeting, the head investigator for the Mintz Group, for, for the other company who's conducting the meeting, he says, like, we're going to finish this part of it, and then in a minute, we're going to turn the time over to Pamela so that she can explain to us how she got this contract. What? Uh, Wait a minute. Did they explain how they got the contract? Exactly. Oh my gosh, Shelly. My heart just started pounding. I was so mad. All I'm thinking is... You're like, wait "Wait a minute. minute. What makes you think I got this contract? Are you calling me not professional? Yeah. 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 I put a bid in just like you did. I got this just like you did. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was like, I was so angry. And I'm I'm thinking, okay, I, I can't start out being... (laughs) <laughs> snarky Pissed like off. I wanted to be but uh-huh. so but uh, my heart was pounding thankfully they got too busy and they actually didn't do that but I started out good. I started out offended that's not right it was not yeah, a good oh, way to I start bet. with me and then no. in, so towards the end of that first meeting they said okay well you know Pamela you're from Utah would you please tell us the committee the legislators had voted and they had given us subpoena power so which means Anyone, like if someone isn't cooperating with us, we could come back, talk, and explain to the attorney what's happening, and they could create a subpoena. We serve a subpoena on them, and they have to cooperate. It's a pretty big power. Like, remember, President Clinton had a subpoena, and he was not able to get out of responding to a subpoena. So it's very, when he was the president, he couldn't get out of it. Uh So a subpoena is a very serious thing. So... They're all talking, saying, yeah, we have subpoena power, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, Pamela, you're from Utah. Why don't you tell us what it's like to deal with people in Utah? And I said, okay, let me tell you what Utah's like. Here's my suggestion. Be nice, be nice, be nice. And if that doesn't work, then let them know we have subpoena power. Right. And then we drop the boom on them. There's a big difference between Utah and New York. A very big difference. And I said that. The whole I was like, culture, hey, everything. Like yeah. everyone, mm-hmm. we all pretty much know each other in the city and right. mm-hmm. we all work together. And if we haven't worked with someone, it's just a matter of time before we will. Pretty much we're all really quite nice to each other. And <laughs> as time went on, that didn't <laughs> that didn't work. That didn't hold for very long because what they what? found, well, I think they didn't take my advice maybe. I don't know. I'm no. suspicious. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Because, oh, we don't spell nice, B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> no, no, no. We spell it N-I-C-E. Yeah, yeah. and maybe they had the spelling uh-huh. incorrect, but uh, yeah. they were uh-huh. pretty educated people. They should have known it. But they mm-hmm. were trying to get interviews with people, and the word I was hearing was a lot of people were not 
cooperating. <laughs> a lot of the mm-hmm. lawyers were not cooperating. They were kind of just uh-huh. telling the investigators and the lawyers for the, to just go pan sand. And uh-huh. so they were serving subpoenas, and it, it wasn't working very well. And so after a time, <laughs> they said, Pamela, would you mind calling? Because <laughs> they'd really kind of kept my portion at a minimum. And here's what I thought. Like, I knew they're getting $3 million and I'm getting 30000 It's hard for me right. to even say that without laughing because it's ridiculous. Yeah, right, right. Uh-huh. Um. And I think, I I don't know, but my guess is that the legislators kind of thought, hey, you know what, she's she's only asking for 30 grand. Jeez, that's like nothing. Take her, yeah. She knows everyone, just throw her in the pile there. Yeah, get her in there, yeah. And here's what my thought was. Hey, those guys want to come in here and push their weight around and make all the money and be the big shots? That's okay. I don't need to make all the money. I'm going to outwork those guys, and I'm going to outshine those guys, and I'm going to show them. This isn't about money for me. I take pride in my work. I take pride in my state and justice and everything else. So I'm all in this, and I'm going to do the best I can. And here's what's interesting. The day that I remember when we got the job on our first day of an in-person meeting at the Mm -hmm. Capitol, and I'm like, man, this is so cool. I'm playing with the big boys now. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm in the big leagues. And that day, as I was pulling into the parking lot, I heard on the radio that the feds had just announced that they had finished their investigation of the attorney generals in Salt Lake City and that everything was fine that they had found nothing. And I was like, what? Okay, no. It's my first day on the job. How can that be? I was going to say, you're already unemployed. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait a minute. I like, just wait, started. Wait, that was the easiest $30,000 you've ever made. No, no, I didn't make any money yet because this. Yeah, that's this, what I mean. Like, what? The, yeah. Well, so that was the federal investigation. That was the feds. And I was working for on the state level for the state legislators. Oh, okay. But I was like, oh, no, since the feds found nothing probably will find nothing and i believe now that the feds found nothing because they were not supposed to find anything remember harry gotcha. reed who is the senate majority the leader he all roads seem to lead back to him and if that's true man he would be catching some real heat wouldn't he so he took a great big piece of sagebrush and brush those tracks not to his door he was erasing things so fast nicely nicely said i did not say it yeah you did Uh Uh uh-huh like oh erase erase that line that's not coming to my house right okay so as we start into the investigation and i i can't tell you inside things but i can tell you what was what we put in our report that's public, and I can tell you what is reported in the media, and I can kind of fill in the gaps for people to explain how these things happened. Okay. They did it kind of like the FBI does it, and like the Mormons do it. <laughs> and st- they, oh, no. they sent us in twos. <laughs> like, oh! Okay. All righty. So, We're going in twos. Yeah. So, Not like Noah in the Ark. <laughs> yes. Come on, you heifer. Coming with the bull. Yes. So gotcha. Mormon missionaries go in twos. Uh-huh. I thought we would be recording all of our interviews, but instead of doing that, um, we, we did, went in twos, which is what the FBI uses for their process for the most part. So at okay. one point, I was teamed up with 
the IT guy, not he's not just a forensic computer guy. This guy, <laughs> oh man, this I'm not worthy. Like this guy is the guy that the FBI turns to when they need help, and I'm not exaggerating that. Um, someday okay. I will do an episode on him. He is one of the one of my favorite people in the world. Fascinating, we, huh? Oh, brilliant. Beyond brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like when China's hacking into America's computers and the FBI can't find it, they call him. Like, gotcha. this guy is absolutely amazing. He's incredible. Okay. And, and he's like the most humble, humble, kind guy I've ever dealt with. Like, so... Okay. And, and we're... we're working together and we're working with the IT guy with for, from the Attorney General's office because as part of what we're doing, we want to image every computer that the Attorney General has ever had, right? Okay. So we're meeting with the IT guy and we would spend hours at the Attorney General's office in their server rooms, which were pretty cold and we were literally like imaging, and I say we meaning I was just Watching, because <laughs> that, that is not my expertise. That is his, right? And so I and I'm talking with the IT guy, and we all we got to be pretty good friends actually, because we spent a lot of time together. First, he's not from Utah, of course. None of these guys I was teamed up with were from no. Utah. Right. Right. And at first, he was really suspicious of the IT guy because he was so nice. And he's like, hey, I don't trust this guy. Like, he just went and bought us lunch. Because we'd been sitting there for hours and we were getting hungry. And I said, man, I'm getting getting hungry. Are you guys getting... And they're like, yeah, we're hungry too. And so he had volunteered to go get our lunch. And we were like, okay, yeah, let us give you some money. No, 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 I got it. What? And I was like, wow, thanks. Like, we really didn't know him that well at that point. That's just very generous of him. And so that made my teammate suspicious and then he was also he was a hunter and he had a bunch of deer jerky from hunting and he was sharing uh-huh. this deer jerky with us to gnaw on while we were sitting there and so he's like ah, that guy's too nice <laughs> like i don't trust him There's <laughs> and, I, and i said yeah. i started laughing i said you know what that's that's actually like a real mormon thing yeah it, i don't think just because he's nice i don't think that's a bad thing He's still doing his job. Yeah, I'm like, and I can't tell you details about it, but I can tell you this. At some point, we knew that he wasn't being entirely truthful with what he was telling us. The IT guy. The deer jerky guy? The deer jerky guy. And I really liked him. And so I took a moment to talk to him and said, hey, um, I can't tell you what I know, I can't tell you how I know it, but what I am going to tell you is we know everything, and pretty soon you're going to be questioned, and when you do, you, my suggestion is you tell the truth, because we, we know what the truth is, and he's like, wait, what, what are you talking about, and I said, I'm not telling you anything else, please tell the truth, if you don't tell the truth, it's going to come back and bite you. And I want you to think long and hard about whoever you think you're protecting here, whether that person would be protecting you. I don't think they would, but you've got some real hard decisions to make. Right. Uh, That plays out really big 
a little bit later. I'm sorry, I have to cut it off here, but you've got to listen to hear how that played out and whether he took my advice or didn't take my advice and what that meant to the rest of the case. Thanks for listening to Pamela's